you've been around, you know that this spring and summer, Katie and I are preaching a sermon series on this catalog of virtues that Paul gives to the churches in Galatia near the end of his powerful letter. He calls them the fruit of the Spirit. If that metaphor doesn't work for you, I have been calling them facets of faithfulness. Paul writes to the churches in Galatia, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. Pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The other day, my wife asked me what I was preaching about this Sunday, and I told her that this would be the fifth installment in my sermon series on the fruit of the Spirit. And she asked me, so what is the la frite du jour? <laughs> she studied French in college. And I said, I'm preaching about kindness. And she said, well, what are you going to say about it? And I said, well, actually, I'm going to be for it. So what's to talk about, right? Who's going to argue with kindness? But actually, there are a couple of ways in which kindness might be a dubious virtue. First of all, kindness can be confused with weakness. Kindness might be misplaced liberality. Look what trouble the bleeding heart liberals get us into. Kindness can be indiscriminate and too broadcast. Do we want our drill sergeants to be kind? or our football coaches, or our divorce lawyers. There's another reason kindness might be a dubious virtue. It might be the Christian virtue most prone to self-deception. Right? Everybody thinks of themselves as kind, but we know from daily experience that many aren't. Did you know that Joseph Stalin thought of himself as a people person? People who knew him thought he was utterly charming. This was during the time when even loyal Bolsheviks slept every night with a packed bag and a loaded pistol under their beds. The bag for the gulag and the pistol to avoid it. Really organized Soviet parents back then would keep an up-to-date school schedule for their children in case a kind relative would have to look after the new orphans. In Stalin's world, both friends and rivals, both, both intimates and unknown millions were, in Khrushchev's words, temporary people. But he was charming. He kept beautiful roses. He read Thackeray, Gogol, Chekhov, and Hugo. He loved Charlie Chaplin's films. Joseph Stalin could think of himself as a people person. He was a monster with a human face. It does have its downside, kindness does. It can imply weakness and it can be prone to self-deception. But this virtue has its virtues. Kindness, of course, is what we human beings essentially are, right? Have you ever wondered why we use that word, that English word kind, in two such different ways? Used one way, kind means type, brand, genus, or species. What kind of dog is that, people used to ask me. That is a golden retriever, I would tell them. Well, what is he doing in the church office? And I had no answer. <laughs> what kind of wine do you drink, red or white? What kind of soft drink do you prefer, Coke or Pepsi? 
kind is brand or type. It's related to kin and kindred, which comes from an old German word which means to give birth to. That is to say, what is that thing innately, endemically, natively, at its birth? What is that thing by nature? And later, of course, kind came to mean gentle and compassionate. Kindness is when your wife dies and you are so overwhelmed by the graceful gestures of friends and strangers both, food, notes, errands, a listening ear, that pretty soon the tears you are shedding are almost as much for the beauty of humanity as for the grief of loss. And so you can see what the connection is between the two uses of the word kind. Kind is related to kin, to birth. And so it came to mean well-born or well-bred. Kind is a superior instance of whatever it is you're talking about. And when we're talking about human beings, kindness is humaneness. When we are being kind, we are being what we were born to be, what we were made to be. And if you are not kind, you are not even human. And you remember how Shakespeare puns with this in his play Hamlet, right? Hamlet's first words in the play are a little more than kin and less than kind. When Claudius, Hamlet's uncle, also the murderer of Hamlet's father, now Hamlet's stepfather, calls Hamlet my son. Hamlet, in a quiet aside, says a little more than kin and less than kind. And what Hamlet means to say is that Claudius might be kin by marriage, but as a regicidal usurper, he is less than kind. Claudius is not an exemplary specimen of humanity. And it is a virtue in both small ways and large, microscopic and macroscopic ways, the domestic and the global level. On the last day of school, a classroom full of first graders presented their teacher with a beautiful box full of handwritten letters telling her how much she meant to them during the past school year. And so she thought she'd read these letters to her class, and she stood up to give them. But she was so overwhelmed by her emotions that she couldn't read them. She says, I'm sorry, but I'm having a little trouble reading right now. And one of her students said, just sound it out. (laughs) It was the instruction she'd given them a hundred times when one of them came, came up against an unfamiliar world. Just sound it out. Patience, kindness, understanding. Have you ever found yourself failing at kindness where it matters most and should be easiest? Are you ever kinder to strangers than you are to those you love more than anyone else in the world? John Gottman tells the story of Rory and Lisa, whose marriage was being tested by Rory's alcoholic, uh, workaholic rather, ways, and his indifference and distance from the family. He didn't even know the name of the family dog. And he was a talented doctor, so Lisa put up with him for years because of all the good he did for humankind. 
And so one Christmas, Rory is at the hospital, of course, and Lisa decides that he might enjoy Christmas dinner, so she packs a Christmas picnic and she takes the children to the hospital. And there they are eating Christmas dinner in the waiting room and Rory turns on Lisa and tells her how much he resents being surprised like this. Why do you do this, he said. It's so embarrassing. The other doctor's wives don't do this. And just then his cell phone rang and it was a resident asking a question. And instantly his face softened and his voice grew warm and friendly. And then when the call was over, he turned back on Lisa with renewed anger and something snapped in her. She realized that Rory was perfectly capable of kindness, just not towards her or her children or even the family dog. And so she started going out without Rory in the evenings and after a while Rory asked her for a divorce because after all you can't stay married to a woman who will surprise you with Christmas dinner at the hospital. Can you? My uncle Seymour is a preacher and a writer and he tells the story of a family with two daughters. The older daughter was beautiful and smart and kind and successful at everything she did. Boys lined up to take her out. The younger daughter was physically and mentally challenged, a birth defect, but the family loved her into wholeness. And very early in every relationship, the older sister would take her dates home to meet her younger sister. And then she would watch the interaction. And if the boy was at all uncomfortable or awkward or less than solicitous or even uninterested in her sister, that was the last date that boy ever got. This young woman refused to be involved with anyone who was less than humane. The older daughter is married now. Can you guess whether her marriage is happy? How do you evaluate your potential paramours? Looks, wit, perfect tens, rich blokes, whether they can tell a zin from a cab or a verdi for a puccini. These things are incidental, not essential to our humanity. But kindness, kindness is what we essentially are and what we were born for. This is true on the larger level. This Holiday weekend, I am so proud to be an American, and yet I never dreamed my tax dollars would be used to separate infants and toddlers from their mothers and then placed in tiny cells with 50 other kids without soap and beds and medicine, diapers, very little food, and kept there for two weeks. Did you ever dream you would live in a nation where it's illegal to give a thirsty person a bottle of water? We have to be very careful what we can get used to or we will cease to be exemplary instances of humanity. Under the sermon title in the bulletin today, I put a little Greek vocabulary lesson for you. The Greek word Paul uses when he writes to the Galatians is Christus. The New Revised Standard Version translates that Greek word as kindness because that's exactly 
what it is. It contrasts with rough or surly. In Paul's day, you see, the Greeks and the Romans had an interesting way of performing abortions. Abortions in Paul's day were accomplished after birth. So you would take the just-delivered, fully-formed infant out to the forest, if you didn't want this child, where the elements or the beasts would take care of your problem for you. And a person who came along, such an abandoned infant, and took him home to care for him as her own was known as Christos, kind. Do you know Shakespeare's play, The Winter's Tale? It's the plot point that drives the story in my second favorite Shakespeare play. Christos, it was such a charming idea and a beautiful word that soon it became a proper name. You would call your son Christos and your daughter Christa. Excellent. A good example of its kind. And then when Jesus came along, the new Christians started calling him Jesus the Christ. Jesus the anointed one. Jesus the chosen one of God. The Greeks heard the Christians calling their hero Jesus Christos. Jesus Christ. And they thought it was a proper name. You had a first name, Jesus, and a last name, Christ. But Christos was such a funny name. The verb behind Christos means to pour oil on the head. Nobody named their children oiled. And so when the early Greeks and Romans heard the Christians talking about Jesus Christos, they thought the Christians were saying Jesus Christos, Jesus the kind. And as for the early disciples of Jesus the kind, they were known as Christiani, the kind ones. It's one of those orthographic errors that actually tells a fuller truth. Jesus Christ, Jesus the kind. We are Christians, the kind ones. Yes? In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, help us to be kind because everyone we meet is fighting a great battle. Amen.